haven't preached in what three weeks and so i'll be honest as i sat down to prepare i was both excited and lazy at the same time i was just like man i, I, I kind of like not having to do anything but i'm excited about what i want to share for you uh, with you um let me just say this i want to start by saying that um every year i like to end the year by recapping just doing a recap of the year. And I didn't get to do that for 2020 because of the holidays. Um, the, last, uh, the last week or so of the year, we wanted to give you guys that time to yourself and with your family because of what, the way the holidays fell. And so I didn't get to do that. So this weekend, I want to, um, I want to recap 2020, okay? But I also want to uh, challenge our entry into 2021. Okay? If you're with me, say, I am. Uh, Let me start by saying that the popular opinion of 2020 is that it was rubbish. You guys ever heard of that word, rubbish? It's actually a biblical word. In the Bible, they use where it can mean uh, any kind of refuse like animal excrement, poop. But it's used as an idiom to describe anything that is worthless or detestable. And that's the popular opinion of 2020, that it was, it was a, um, a crappy year. I've heard so many people say, man, I hated 2020. Now, were there some significant challenges last year? Yes, there were. Did we see some detestable things last year? Absolutely. But was 2020 worthless? Here's what I want to tell you tonight. If you can't raise a glass to the past you'll be a party pooper in the future. <laughs> Pun 100% intended. But let me say it again. If you can't raise a glass to the past, you will be a party pooper in the future. I would imagine that all of us have been to weddings, and if you've been to a wedding, usually ones that are in the evening will have... Um, a meal, and a lot of times at some point in that meal or in the wedding, maybe it doesn't have to have a, a meal associated with the wedding, but at some point there's like a toast. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the um, bridegroom or the, uh, well, I guess the bridegroom and the bridesmaid will, will toast the couple, right? They'll say, raise a glass, and they'll toast the couple. And when they do that toast, there's this remembering. There's this remembering and recalling of, of good stuff, and bad stuff and stories. And sometimes those stories are funny with a little bit of sarcasm because it wasn't that funny. You know, all kinds of stuff as they toast the couple. But the point of it is to remember all the things that took place in their lives individually. Maybe some as they were together in their early years of dating. And all of it is meant to honor and build and toast to all those things because it's making them, for the most part, the couple that they are, be they are going to become. 
And so we toast them, right? But in that toast, in that little speech, there's the recalling of all of those things. Now listen, there are some hard things about this past year. But there are also some good things that came out of 2020. And we've got to be able to honor the Lord in both of those and then move forward with joy and with hopeful expectation that 2021, like it's going to be full of God's grace and full of good things from the Lord, right? But listen, but without assumption or presumption or maybe even delusion that this year is going to be any better. Listen to me, 2021 may present more rubbish than 2020. Isn't that true? And if you can't raise a glass to 2020, then you're probably going to be a party pooper in 2021. So tonight what I want us to do is I want us to toast 2020. That's the title of this sermon, to toast 2020. You can write that down. I want us to look back and I want us to, re- I want us to recall the good. I want us to acknowledge the bad. I want us to apply God's grace to all of it, the good and the bad, and commit ourselves to be people who rise above any and everything that 2021 may have to offer us. Amen? Amen. And we're able to do that because we serve a God who is good, who is gracious, who is faithful, who is for us, not against us. Isn't that right? So let's look at two places in Scripture that will help us get there. Because for some, this may be hard to get there, get to a place where we're like, oh, let's get there. Okay, let's start with Matthew chapter 6. I want you to turn into your Bible, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 27. Matthew 6, starting in verse 27, and this is Jesus talking, and so you know you can't go wrong, right? In Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 27, and this is all part of the Sermon on the Mount. If if you're familiar with that, Jesus is standing in front of a lot of people, a lot of backgrounds, a lot of histories, a lot of um, family stuff. I mean, the gamut. This multitude of people. And here's what he says. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Some of your translation may, they may insert um, anxious right there. Do not be anxious about your life. By the way, I want you to notice that it says, do not be worried. Do not be worried. It doesn't just say do not worry. It says do not be worried. What that means is that we shouldn't carry anxiety. Okay, we don't carry anxiety. Doesn't mean that we don't have concerns. It doesn't mean we can't have concerns or we can't be concerned. What it means is that we shouldn't carry that concern as anxiety. There's a difference. There's a difference between being concerned and carrying anxiety. He goes on and he says, who of you by being worried by carrying anxiety can add a single hour to his life. It goes on in verse 31 and it says, do not worry then saying, what will we eat? What what will we drink? 
What are we going to wear for clothing? Should I wear a mask? Will this vaccine work? Who's going to be the president? Was the election rigged? Is the market going to crash? Right? We could go on and on. Will I get punched in the face every time I use the word black or white? Are aliens coming? (laughs) And if so, what do they want? (laughs) Am I missing anything? Am I leaving anything out? I probably am because this has been a wild and woolly year. Right? Please hear me. It's okay to be concerned about the things that affect our lives and and the lives of the people that we love. It's not okay to carry anxiety about them. Jesus said that's what the Gentiles do. He says, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Listen, when my concerns, my my concerns, the things in life that are concerning, when my concerns affect my peace and my joy and my hopeful expectation of God's provision, it's time to pause and assess what am I seeking? What am I after? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. That's what he says next, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom. Say his kingdom. Come on, say it. Saints. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Say his righteousness. That's what he says. If we're going to be seeking anything, it's got to be his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. That's just a real poetic way of saying it's all going to work out. His kingdom is the one that will last. It's the kingdom that will remain. It's the kingdom that's eternal. Seek that first. He says his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness is what gets you into that kingdom. That's why you seek those two things first. He goes on in verse 34. says, do not worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Some people are convinced that 2021 is going to be the best year ever. I hope it is. That'd be awesome. We could sure use one of those, right? But other people are convinced that is going to be worse than 2020. And maybe it will be. Who knows? But listen to me. Either way, either way, our response is the same. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I want you to turn there. I want you to turn there in your Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible, please start bringing your Bible. Phones are good. Bibles are better. Okay? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but bring your Bible. All right, get out a pen, mark something. In Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 7, the Apostle Paul says, But whatever was gained to me, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things as loss compared to the surpassing excellence of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have lost all things. He says, I consider them what? Rubbish. Rubbish. 
I consider them rubbish because this life is temporary. All things are crappy compared to who we've become and what we will inherit in Christ Jesus. Isn't that right? All things, the good and the bad, a wonderful 2021 or a crappy 2021, it's all refuse. It's all rubbish compared to what we will experience in eternity forever with Christ because we have pursued first his righteousness. Amen? Amen. He goes on, he says, he says, I consider them rubbish, all things, anything, all things rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness. There it is from the law. He says, right? Jesus says, seek first his righteousness, not our own righteousness. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God on the basis of faith. Verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. What is that? That's the ability to rise above all things temporal, good and bad. The power of his resurrection. Doesn't matter what it is, good, bad. The power of his resurrection puts us above that. Amen? Amen. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Did you hear that? Confirmation, there will be bad things. There's going to be some rubbish (laughs) happening all around us. (sighs) Being conformed to him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. In other words, eternal life. And I love verse 12, man. I just, I just love verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this. I'm not being cocky. I'm not being arrogant. Paul's making some pretty big points, but he's, he's not saying he's, he's the man. He said, I haven't obtained all this or I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, brothers, I do not consider myself having taken hold of it. That's not what I'm trying to say to you, readers. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Look at me. He's saying, I toast it and move on. Forgetting what is behind, I embrace it for what it is. And I press on towards the goal to win the prize. Cheers. Moving on. Verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize of God's heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. Love that. And then look what he says in verse 15. All of us who are mature should embrace this point of view. All of us who are mature should embrace this point of view. 2020 has revealed the immaturity of a lot of Christians and a lot of churches. I've I've been made aware of some of my own immaturity and some of the immaturities within our church. And we're going to work on those in 2021 diligently because Christ is coming back for a bride that has made herself ready. Lord, we want to be more ready, more ready, more and more ready for your return. Amen. Amen. In verse 14, he says, and if you think differently 
about some issue? God will reveal this to you as well. I love that. If you think differently about some issue, boy, do we have a differing opinions on some things. People have different opinions on all kinds of stuff, and that's okay. Y'all look at me. That is okay that you might think differently about something than someone else. That's okay. We just have to remember that his, right, his own way and in his own time, God's going to reveal what needs to be revealed to who it needs to be revealed to. And we can kind of relax, chillax, and stop trying to be God for that person that thinks different for us. It says that God will reveal this. You think differently? Someone's thinking differently? If it's right, if it's wrong, it's wrong. God is going to reveal it in his own time. We can relax. Look at what it says. In fact, verse 16, nevertheless, we must. Okay, so just a little bit of a snip, snap, shot, snippet, however you say that, of what our responsibility is. Nevertheless, we must live up to what we have already attained. In other words, there's been so much in our life, so many things we can toast. <laughs> My wife and I, um, we found the, uh, an old camcorder, an old high eight camcorder. And there's got to be, I don't know how many tapes are in that bag, but they're tapes of, I mean, it's funny because we were youth pastors so long. And so in that season that we utilized this particular camcorder, it was in the season where we were youth pastors of hundreds of kids, lot, large events, all, I mean, just all kinds of stuff going on. But then, you know, there, so there could be a, a youth event and then the birth of a baby right there on the same tape. It's like, you got to go, what's coming next, you know? But we've been watching them. And one of the things that we, uh, we watched with, the, with our kids is um, just, you know, there were times where we just turned on the camera at night. It's like, this is what's going on at the Herring House at home. And you, our boys are little, you know, and, you know, three and four and five and six. And just every night, crazy dancing. I mean, just crazy Whatever VBS CD songs that were on that night, they were dancing, and it was crazy. And it was really neat. I mean, it was so precious to see them interacting and dancing turned into wrestling, turned into fighting, turned into crying, turned into yelling and screaming and beating. No, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. No, it was, it was a, it's a sweet thing to watch all those memories. Because guess what? My sons will most likely be the best men in their brother's weddings. And they have a lot of history, good and bad. <laughs> There's one, one scene where Rowan was little and Aiden was aggravating, aggravating him. And Rowan goes, Aiden! Aiden! You know, you can see it's like, well, the Hulk came out, you know. And, and there's one, one little section <laughs> where... We were watching it, and, and I guess we had set the camera on the table or something so we could all be in the shot, and Rowan comes up to it, and he's like, la, 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 and so out of the screen because he can see himself on the little viewfinder, and he moves it, and he's like, oh. but he keeps on going anyway, and I noticed that he had actually touched it and then moved it, and I said, son, do not touch the camera, and he goes, whatever, and I was like, come over here. And so in the middle of all this other dancing, you can see me in the back going, you do not say whatever. I will, you know. There's good times. 
There's not so good times. But all those things add up. We must live up to what we've already attained. Who have we become? If we've been in Christ Jesus since we were kids or even if it was fairly new, we attain to that. Let me, let me show you something. What does that mean, we must live up to? What does that mean? It means we remain godly. It, rem it means we, we act maturely, no matter what. No matter what happens in 2021, people lost their minds in 2020. No matter what. We remain godly. We act maturity. Listen, I got a few things up here. Let me show you. Always ask the Lord where you may be wrong. Always ask the Lord where you may be wrong. Because you may have an opinion about something. You may not be right. You think you're right. But new information came out or you just didn't know certain details. And just like that, you realize, dang, I was wrong about that. But you also got to be willing to admit it. I was wrong. Sorry about that. I can't wait to talk to you about cognitive dissonance. If you haven't heard anything about that, I've been talking to my wife about this thing, this idea that I think is going on with people since May, since last May. I've been saying, yeah, this, is, this is what I think is going on. This is what's going on in the mind and the hearts of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's this terminology that came out, I don't know, maybe six weeks ago, I heard it, and I was like, that's what I've been saying. That's what that's called. Look it up, cognitive dissonance. We will be talking about it. Always ask the Lord where you may be wrong. Remain faithful to your current conviction. Now, remember, that's partnered with number one. Your current conviction may be with new information and the fact that you had to say, I was wrong about that. My new conviction is this. Whatever it is, remain faithful to it. Remain faithful to what God is showing you and convicting your heart about. Speak truth in and with love. That's 1 Corinthians 13, all day. You got something on your mind? You got a truth you're, you're wanting to adhere to and cling to and communicate? That's fine. Do it with love. Do it in love and with love and pray for all truth to be revealed to all people. It does no good to promote our truth if at the same time we're not praying that God would reveal that truth. That's what we just read. God will reveal this to you. God's the one that does it. Can we be mouthpieces? Yes, but only if it's laced with love and grace. Amen. Amen. And this fifth one is share the gospel. In the midst of it all, whether it's good, bad, whatever, share the gospel. It's funny how when things are great, we forget about the gospel. It's crazy how sometimes when things are bad, we forget about the gospel. We can't forget about the gospel. It's the power of God and salvation. Am I talking fast? Because I feel like I am. <laughs> I'm just saying, okay? So let's, let's raise a toast to the past, okay? And here's how we're going to do this. I've done this for the past couple of years. What I want to do is I'm going to actually... I'm going to go over, I'm going to, we're going to do every sermon and sermon in a sentence from the beginning of this year. I'm actually going to go further. I'm going to raise a toast to even further back than this year. I'm going to give you the last five years of prophetic words. In 2016, 
God spoke to us further deeper. He was wanting our people to go further and deeper with him. Anybody remember that year? It was a great year. 2017, the prophetic word was called out. And if you'll remember, God was calling out his church, calling us out to walk in the gifts and calling that he has given us, but also calling us out, calling out our sin, calling out our, our, um, where we've fallen short with him. 2018, the word was firm foundation. And if you remember, we spent the year going back to the basics in the faith all year long foundational things. 2019 was every effort to add. Wonderful build up there. Let's add. Let's add to the foundations that we got the previous year. And of course, 2020 was eyes wide open. Can you believe that was the word for this year? I mean, we knew that we knew that we knew. The Lord's saying eyes wide open. I don't know, man. Just eyes wide open. We didn't get, March came and we're like, whoa! Eyes wide open. And it's been, you need to have your eyes wide open ever since then. We're in 2021. It doesn't mean we need to close our eyes. We actually need to like, can we get something to open them even wider, you know? Next week, I'm going to share with you the prophetic word for 2021. And I can't wait. Like I said, I usually do that the first sermon of the year. But this year, this is how I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing a recap. So let's just go through these. I'm going to blow through them. I may stop here and there. But just as a reminder, and these are going to be up on the screen, okay? The titles and the sermons, and you'll see the dates and who spoke. This is raising a toast. This is what God sowed into us. As I was writing them down, Melissa, remember, I was like, oh, man, that was a good sermon. And she preached them. I was like, oh, babe, that was a good sermon. Oh, my gosh, God spoke through this. There's good stuff, enough to raise our glass to. Amen? Week number one, January 4th. We did two weeks, Flood Our Hearts, part one and part two, and the, first, and the sermon and sentence for both of those was turning the tide starts on the inside. And I talked about the ebb and flow of our faith. Our, our faith tends to ebb and flow. And if you want more flow <laughs> than ebb, then it starts on the inside. If you want to turn the tide, it starts on the inside. Then we, we immediately, after the first couple of weeks, we went into a focus on eyes wide open to worship. And we talked about how there's only one kind of worshiper that God is looking for. And in John 4, he says that, that um, the time has come when true worshipers will worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. He goes on and he says, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in, the, in spirit and in truth. And so several weeks, we had a sermon called the heart of worship. Um, the sermon in a sense was to be a true worshiper. You got to truly worship, turns out. Yeah. right? <laughs> if you want to be a true worshiper, then the worship that's coming from you ought to be authentic. It should be true. The next week, we taught a message called dealing with idolatry. The only way to deal with idolatry is to die to your own desires. Growing in gratitude. My outward expression reveals my inward emotion. We talked about how important it is to express our praise, to express our worship, to stand here stoic on the outside is an indicator of what's going on in the inside. I love that Becca talked about how sometimes you, you, want, you want walls to come down, you got to get after the praise first. Amen. Amen. Then we taught a message called Beyond the Veil. Transformation is a guarantee for all who would gaze into God's glory. 
And then I taught a message that was like a blend of the worship. In fact, um, it was called Worship is Warfare. In the sermon and the sentences, when, God, when we began to reflect God's glory, get our worship straightened up, what happens is the enemy comes and fights with a fury. The, the stronger, the more mature, the, the more powerful of a worshiper you come, the bigger target you put on your back. Hate to say it, but it's the truth. Go back and listen to that. That was February 15th, right? And then Melissa, we had a family service, and Melissa taught a great uh, message called Lack and Loaves. And, and she talked about how when we bring God our lack, he gives back in abundance. It was a powerful message. Go back and listen. In February, February 29th, I taught a message in this spiritual warfare. Focus, open our eyes to the enemy called Rebuke the Roar. Rebuke the roar. And the sermon and sentence says, which lion will you listen to? Because in scripture, we know that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, but the enemy is also described as a roaring lion who prowls around looking for people to devour. Which lion will you listen to? The next one was accessing our asset. And we talked about the Holy Spirit is our helper and he never withholds. Then another one called Refuse to Rebel. And I remember these because I, none of you were here. I was preaching to a camera that is set up and I was like, hi, hi. You know, it was so awkward, so weird, but we taught it. It's interesting. No laughs, no jokes, because there was no one to laugh at. So it was very, very dry, but the material was there. So a pious religion can never take the place of a pure relationship with Jesus. And then we got into a series of sermons where we, we had to start dealing with the issues of the day, the COVID-19 stuff, the racial reconciliation stuff. The election was steadily approaching, more and more stuff happening and, and being communicated. And so we started talking about things. By then, we were definitely already fed up with uh, not meeting so I taught a sermon called Assemble the Saints. We will eventually grow faint if we forsake the gathering of the saints. I taught a sermon. I've actually retaught this. I had taught it before called The Sacrality of Scars. Our scars may remind us of where we hurt, but they also remind us of how we were healed. Melissa taught a message called The Word is Supernatural. Love it when she preaches on the Word. She said we need our eyes open to the supernatural power of God's Word, and that is true. Taught a message called Go for the Gospel because the Jews rejected the rock. Gentiles can rock a relationship with Jesus. Do y'all remember that one? You have to go back and it applied to the weird stuff going on in the world. And then I taught a message called Safety is Not Our Savior. Our personal sense of safety is one of Satan's greatest snares. And I'm actually probably going to revisit that sermon and that content because I do believe that Satan is using fear to weaken the church. So be ready for that. Amen. Then I taught a message called cast your nets. When we look to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the other voices won't seem so loud. And this is probably my favorite sermon I've ever preached. It's called prepare for the prestige. The sermon in the sentence was you will only fall for what you're not looking for. We need the people who are having our eyes wide open in the spirit. 
I brought attention to Revelations chapter 18, verse 23, a widely overlooked strategy that the enemy uses and is using and will continue to use to, to deceive the world. I'm not going to tell you what that is. Go back and listen. Not many people are talking about this. I would encourage you to go back and listen to prepare for the prestige. And then I taught a message called deal, uh, the deal with dying. How we deal with death can help defend against the devil. Without a biblical understanding of death, we're wide open for the, for the enemy to manipulate us and control us and deceive us, right? Y'all you you good? We need to take an intermission? Okay, good. Jesus said, what's up? Melissa taught a message on my birthday. May 30th, that was a a wonderful present to me. It was just a powerful message. She says, our very thoughts and actions are conditioned by our worldview. This was a fantastic sermon about how important it is to have a biblical worldview. Everybody has a worldview. Is it biblical? And then I preached a message called, don't be a moron. Y'all remember that one? I like that one. Without the mind of Christ, we'll miss the heart of God. And I talked about how you may be spiritually mature, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're spiritually minded. There's a difference. We are not spiritually minded about the return of Christ. That's what I was talking about in that sermon. And I talked about how Jesus said, remember the the parable of the 10 virgins, five were wise and five were foolish. Wise means mindful. Prudent means the, to be dull of mind and how people are, are, are dull of mind when it comes to the end times. We started talking about the end times there, okay? Because it's all going on. Strategy for unity, part one and part two. You can look at those. Unity starts with one man willing to lay down his life. The ability to bring unity is an anointing of the Holy Spirit. For two weeks, we talked about racial reconciliation. How do we respond to the BLM and, and, and all this, the stuff going on? How do we respond to this? And it wasn't... Um, exhaustive, but it was very fine-tuned. We can at least be and do these things. And then we spent several weeks promoting the power and and present help of the Holy Spirit. All these sermons, a divine opportunity. We should not run and hide from God, but listen, obey, and thrive. Marvin spoke that. I taught a message called keep up, keep up. The only way to walk with God is to stay in step with his spirit. Spirit baptism, I taught on what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's probably not what you think it is, no matter what your background is. Go back and listen. Without a personal Pentecost, we will never fully partake of the power present and promises of God. Life in the tension. Talked about the difference between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh always wants to be fulfilled, so we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Marvin taught a message called, You Have the High Ground. You have a great leader. You just got to be a great steward. And then this is the week that I had COVID. And I taught a message called the power of the prophetic. I sat in my office and was sick as a dog. You probably remember that. And I said, if God will speak to you, then he will speak through you. We talked about embracing the prophetic. The next week, Marvin talked about the gift of faith. Faith can move your mountains. So good. And then we spent a few weeks talking about the church and the power of biblical community. Listen, these we're raising a, a, a glass to some great encouragement, some amazing teaching. Melissa and Marvin, I brought a few good ones. We're raising our glass to what God sowed into our hearts through his word. Soma is a church that believes in transformational truth, and we don't hold back. We teach it and we preach it with passion and zeal and hopefully accuracy. 
Practice makes perfect part one. A strong relationship with Jesus is a byproduct of having a strong spiritual community. Part two, the church won't grow unless we gather. I believe that's under attack. Melissa taught a really good sermon. I remember it. Rocks, tents, and temples. We are where the Spirit of God dwells. And then we got into some end time stuff by talking about the seven feasts of Israel. How many of you enjoyed that? God always does the appropriate thing at the appropriate time. Trust his plan. Before Jesus returns, there's time for us to return. Pay attention to the program if we want to be carried away to the place the Lord has prepared for us. I love that sermon, Get With the Program. And all of these were going through the, the fall feasts of Israel. I have to go back and listen if you weren't here for those. Then I taught a sermon called Cleansed, Not Covered. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. The seven feasts, faithful to the end. God is faithful even when we are not. And then we had the petties in. How many of you remember that week? Kat and Jeremy, they came in and he taught a message called All In. And out of that, there's so much fruit. So they're planning a church in Seattle. We got behind them. We gave them a ton of money. There are people that are praying about going and planting the church with them. God blessed them. God blessed us. God's blessing people. God's blessing people in Seattle. Good stuff. And then we set in one new elder and two new stewards. And for two weeks, we talked about government. I taught a sermon called Godly Government. I had more feedback about that sermon than probably any sermon. Because nobody talks about the power of a godly government in a church. There's a lot of churches like ours, small, non-denominational, independent, that have no government. No government. And it's very, very unhealthy. Soma is a healthy church. A congregation is only as healthy as its government Pastor Eric, the next week that we actually set in those new elders and leaders, he taught a message called, How Long Will You Mourn? He talked about the power of regret and the right way to mourn. Oh, my goodness, it was so good. And then we got into a series called The Fight for the Family. And the first week we did an interview, Joe, Matthew, Matthews, and Melissa and I, we did this interview thing, and I talked about how the more turbulent and undependable our society becomes, the more peaceful and dependable our families need to become. The crazier it gets out there, the more solid it needs to get inside of our, our families, our homes, including our church home. You can go back and listen to those. Um, we taught a message called Enough is Enough to the Men. Every man's got to decide who he wants to be. Melissa, the next week, taught um, a message called Image and Dust, specifically to women. Every woman must learn to live in the tension of Divine potential and human limitations. <laughs> so good. It spoke to the men too. The next week I talked to the men again in a sermon called Lead with Love. Men are called to lead their families with love towards the Lord. The next week, it seems like just yesterday. These are good. I, I remember all these. Anger in the Acts. Melissa talked to the women again, holy anger is both healthy and effective because it pushes us out of apathy and into action. So good. In the last week of the family series, I, I, I talked about parenting in the sermon called, get that kid down. Y'all remember that one? 
I don't think the kids like that one. I think I forgot to copy the, uh, the sermon, the sentence correctly there. I think it was something like, spank those kids, spank them, spank them, spank them. <laughs> something like that. And then Melissa taught again, the word became flesh. We can't say God isn't speaking when our Bibles have remained closed. And Marvin finished out the year with the power of Christmas, the gospel is supernatural. So, so good. Now listen, what was our sermon in sentence? If you can't raise a glass to the past, because this is all things that were shared this year in the midst of craziness. Some of you viewed a lot of those sermons and messages and worship experiences from that camera in your home. Really interesting year. Some people have lost jobs. Some people have lost family members. A lot of people have lost hope. It's been a very trying year, and I hate that it is so. But every year could be trying. Every year is trying. And we have to say, I'm, I'm raising a glass to this. I am toasting this year, this situation, this circumstance. I'm toasting it. Because if you can't raise a glass to the past, you will be a party pooper in the future meaning you will not be walking in the joy of the Lord. What I want to do is I want us to end with communion. And this is our way of raising a glass this weekend. Because we are, we're raising the cup that Jesus raised when he said, this is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. And of course, the bread represents his body. This is, my, this is my body. Beaten, broken for you. And what I want us to do is just, just bow our heads for a second. Before we get over to that, I'm going to have Becca. And um, she's going to lead us in a little bit of song as we, as we wrap up this time and let the Lord minister our hearts. What, what's the Lord saying to you? Like maybe you remembered something that the Lord said or did in one of these sermons or times of worship, or maybe there's, maybe there's uh, something about this year that you haven't been willing to toast and let the Lord minister to or be gracious and faithful in, or you're not believing for 2021. So many different things that you could come to your mind during this, but I just want you to pause and close your eyes. Don't, don't look at me. Just close your eyes and let's just spend some time here. We got time. When you walk up to the communion table, what are you toasting as you go into 2021? What are you asking the Lord to minister to? What kind of fear are you wanting to release? What areas of doubt are you wanting to trust him? What are you wanting to believe him for that you've lost hope this past year, this past season? Yes, we want to connect with the Lord tonight as a way of reconnecting communion 
But also, we also want to raise that cup, drink that juice, eat that bread as a way to say thank you for this very difficult year. And if it wasn't that difficult for you, it's been the best year of your life, which is the testimony of some, then thank him for it. Toast him for that. It's the good and the bad where he deserves our praise, our worship, our thanks, our gratitude. So just take a couple of minutes and think. Don't waste the opportunity. Don't waste the opportunity. Lord, show us where to toast you. Jesus. Jesus.